the game publishers aren't going to figure this out, right? They're going to buy their way in right. eventually, just like they did in mobile. They didn't figure out mobile, yeah. and they're sure as hell not going to be the ones to figure out what Your teams, your values. These are the things that weather storms. These are the things that last. There's enough luck in the room that you can make a good thing with the wrong formulas. You know, it happens. You can't do it again. Hey all welcome to Building Better Games. Today we're continuing a two-part series on Web3 and game dev. A lot of people have probably heard about Web3 and blockchain and NFTs and crypto and all these things. We're diving into what it really means for games. In our previous episode, we talked about the player value prop. What does it mean for players to get a better experience because of Web3? In this episode, we're going to be talking about how game dev leaders should relate to Web3 and trends and continuing to talk about the conversation around Web3 and how it's hostile, can feel very binary. Everybody seems to be in their own tribes. So today we still have the same two guests. First is Susan Cummings, comes with a combination of AAA game experience at companies like Rockstar and 2K as well as a lot of work in AR, VR, and now Web3. She's the CEO of Petaverse. And Ryan Scott, he's a veteran design leader. Uh, he's worked across many AAA companies, including Riot, ArenaNet, and Firaxis. So today, we're going to be diving into how you as a leader might relate to Web3, what's going right and wrong, continuing some of that conversation. And we want you to be able to walk away with, okay, this is how I can relate, not just to Web3, but also to new technological trends that emerge in the space of games and game development. All right, enjoy. I think we're going to start moving towards, you know, the ultimate target of this is like, really, how does this conversation help leaders in games level themselves up because one of the things that I feel I remember when I went to my first GDC as an intern at Riot and I had random guys with suitcases coming up to me and asking if they're like oh you work for Riot and I said yeah and they're like are you guys doing anything with VR and it's this guy with a suit which is a little like just off-putting in general because I'm like there's not a lot of suit wearers in in our industry <laughs> As, as anyone who's been around for a while knows. But then it's also like, is this some kind of like VC or finance person just going around and asking random people if they're getting into VR because that's like the hot new thing? And so again, th this idea of new technology that is opening up new doors and potentially changing the, the narrative around what games can be is not a new idea, right? It's been going on for a while. And I don't think as a leader, you can really escape this. I actually feel like there's going to be more of these in the next 10 years, probably twice as many or five times as many. So I think it's important for leaders to like think about what this means. And I, and I love that all four of us are aligned on one thing, which is the player value lens, which is really just warms my heart. I don't believe I've seen a debate about anything related to games where there was this much hostility in some time. And I'm really curious what you both think of when you see that, because there's things where I've seen players get pissed off. Players were pissed off about loot boxes. Players are pissed off about some of these like broader free to play monetization mechanics. But like this one, I've seen people dig their heels in. Like in most traditional game developers, when it comes to Web3 are like, that's stupid. It's a scam. There's a lot of labeling it as like this malevolent kind of like, 
I don't know what you are, but you're not a game developer like I am. You're something else. You're, and it's something threatening. Like if you uh-huh. read the narrative and then from the Web3 side, I'll give them credit. I feel like they're a little bit more calm about it, but also dismissive. Like you're behind the times. You don't get it. Like you're going to get left in the dust five years from now. Obviously, everything's going to be what we're doing and all the stuff you're doing is going to be completely out of style. And so you better if you were smart, you jump in here with us and and work on the real stuff, the real future. But I'm curious what you both see. Why is it like that? I would say I think part of it is how much money got thrown into the space during the bull market. I watch, you know, a lot of game developer friends, traditional game developer friends, having to tack on a Web3 strategy to get mm. funding. And so yeah. I think a lot of good projects didn't get funded or a lot of people got coerced into doing something they didn't really feel comfortable with. And so I think that that's part of it. Um, it was a reasonable sour grapes. You know, I know like really great projects that were struggling to get yeah. funded because of it. And so I think a bit of it is that in my mind anyway. Well, I'm curious what you think there aren't. I agree with your points here, too. I think those are those are big contributing factors. Play to earn. I think let's I'm going to make an assumption really quickly when I say this. I'm going to assume there's a value underlying here somewhere for this portion. I'm not going to say I'm convinced that that's been proven yet, but I'm going to assume there is for this conversation. Even if there is coming out with the hostility is related to Web3's strategy, actually, early. It wasn't the messaging. They were just being honest, and the message was, this sucks. But I think there is a lot of fatigue from going through mobile free-to-play, from going through new loot boxes, from an increasing rise of the kind of hungering maw of investors never being fillable with just a great, profitable game, you know, to the point of, like, even live serviceification. I like live service, and I think it has a lot of value, but there's a fatigue. You know, because we just keep having to hit this so hard. Web3 was both, I think, with play to earn and everything like that, was blatant, transparent, obvious, and belligerent in its approach on top of something that people were already fatigued about. So I'm pretty hostile to it, honestly. That I'm on this podcast is because I'm like, hey, maybe we could have a reasonable conversation because I can be open-minded that value could exist, but I want to hear about it. You know what I mean? But until that, I'm to this play to earn stuff, I am hostile. I think these guys are a bunch of scammers that don't understand a lot. Sometimes they're scamming, but I think they just want to modify, uh, just put more money into this thing and make it less about experiences, less about value and money machine go, you know, it's that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm hostile to that, whether it's Web3, I'm hostile to that, whether it's shovelware developers. I'm hostile to that, whether it's people who care about short-term over long-term to get in and get out because they're gaming the system for money entirely. I understand and I fucks with that games are a business and they need to be profitable, obviously. But this is a bridge too far for developers. It's a bridge too far for players. And it's so obvious and blatant that people are just putting their foot down and they're like, fucking quit it. And I think that's where the hostility comes from. I think that's fair. I'm hostile to the same stuff. You know, I, uh, yeah. I was at... I think there's an alignment there. Yeah. Adam Mocha had a, had a panel at a blockchain event in London a couple months ago. And uh, I, I finished up the, the panel by saying, in terms of advice to developers, F your tokenomics. I could really care less yeah. about your token design. Make a great game. And I'll tell you, uh-huh. I got like a standing applause from it. It was like what woke up yeah. the audience that were half drunk was like, 
did she just say that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it's true. And I think a lot of people feel that that way about it. Uh-huh. I said this before, like, we got to take our industry back here. There, you know, there there is a lot yeah. of investment going on here with or without us. And I'd rather it be with us. You know, I'd rather it be, be uh-huh. quality and not let this go just like mobile did. Part of the reason I think I haven't got as pissed off as a developer is because I myself am pretty invested in crypto as a concept in my personal life going back many years now. And so for me, I saw the beginnings of this transformation, this idea of sort of distributed ownership and how that merges with the web. So like to me, I'm okay kind of waiting it out for it to prove itself valuable. And I also understand and respect that that's a process. Like, again, we did the same thing with VR, right? Where we backed into that technology. It was like, wow, well, obviously this is great because you can put goggles on like those movies we used to watch as kids in the 80s. And those were cool, right? And it's like, and then people are puking everywhere in their living rooms. <laughs> there was some bugs. Look at AR, yeah. right? Pokemon Go came out. And the only thing anyone yeah. else could think to do was copy Pokemon Go, which wasn't yeah, an AR uh-huh. game to begin with. <laughs> but like, you have to figure this stuff out, right? It's never going to be perfect on the first shot. And like, it's the beauty of it, right? I think where I get pissed off is actually as a player. And this is where I really hate to call out individual instances, but the Ubisoft Quartz thing is something that always comes up for me when I'm like, no, sir, absolutely not. And by the way, I have an allergy to game developers or game studios talking down to players. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. And I honestly, I feel like I see it happening more today than I ever have in my like whole life of being a gamer. And So this Ubisoft Quartz video goes up. It gets more dislikes than any YouTube video, I believe, on record, if I remember the news properly. They take it down, and then the CEO or or somebody basically posts a blog article, more or less, like, Uh oh, we understand that you don't get it yet. So we'll try to be a little softer in our messaging moving forward. But by the way, we're still doing this, even though systematically you all hate it. And, And I remember it was like, It's not even what you're selling. It's not even whether your idea is good or bad anymore. Now you are talking down to your customers, the people that pay your paycheck, as if they're a bunch of fools. And that was a big frustration point for me. And by the way, this is not specific to anything Web3 related. I think (laughs) this is actually a big problem in our industry in general. I think that that is unfortunately, I think, a lot of big logs on the fire, too, from a player perspective. Uh I think players are are frustrated in general from being talked down to. And when it happens on a subject that you get even less, it's even more frustrating. Well, look, yeah. I mean, Ubisoft was an exact example of what I've said is wrong. It was hats on characters. Uh-huh. Who the hell cares about uh-huh. these yeah, elements? Yeah, it was hats. <laughs> right? It was literally hats yeah. on characters. And then they tried to, to make it about the environmental impact and they were going to build it on Tezos. No one wanted to hear that. So it was terrible messaging and like there were so many tone deaf announcements that came out around the same time yeah. and that were quickly pulled back. Team 17 was going to do Web3 for like an hour, you know, and then yep. someone said it was a bad idea. So they pulled it back and there were so many of those. I think I can't remember who else did it. There were at least three or four of them where they had to quickly yeah. pull back and say, just kidding, we're not touching NFTs because <laughs> none of them were thinking through the very fair questions that you guys have been saying is what's the point? And the point wasn't uh-huh. the en- the energy thing and the point wasn't putting hats on your characters. Like there's just... You have to have some imagination beyond that. Uh-huh. So yeah, uh-huh. it, it did suck and it was patronized. 
And again, I very much don't view that as a Web3 thing, to be honest. I very much view that as a big publisher, big publisher, game publisher talking to players. But the game publishers aren't going to figure this out, right? They're going to buy their way in eventually, (laughs) just like they did in mobile. They didn't figure out mobile and they're sure as hell not going to be the ones to figure out Web3, right? They're going to invest and buy their way in and not be the ones to like to change it. I don't think they can. They're all public companies. You know, they can't take the risks. I mean, so that that is even a slight on, on game publishers. I think it's just. It's very hard. I was at Take Two for a long time. We weren't going to change things. We were just going to buy it eventually. And so no, no, no. I think that that's what you'll see happen. When this finally works, they'll buy their way in. We can say maybe Web3 is taking an unfair hit because of this, but I think it's a fair hit. It's a fair hit when the market is led by these play to earn people and business people in suits and the guy coming up to you at GDC with a VR suitcase and be like, wow, where, where can I give you your money, champ? You know, he's got the little, <laughs> he's like selling, literally selling snake oil, man. And even VR, like VR has been an incredible technology in a bunch of ways. But most of those, it's not the thing. It's a thing. And I think Web3 might also be a thing and not the thing. You know, that's the other thing we have to look at it is like, these innovations do happen. And I think you you mentioned it just right. VR, we backed into that technology and said, VR is going to be the thing because it's cool. And we go, why is it cool? It's cool, guys. Like, have you ever seen The Matrix? It's fucking cool, right? Like, that was basically the argument. And we got it. Web3 has had more of this problem. And it's been more blatant in this with the, with the play to earn leading and the investment leading. So what it has to do is to recover any of the reputation. It's going to have to meet a higher bar of value. It's Okay, let's, again, let's assume there's value. All right, if it has value, it's going to have to have an overwhelming obviousness to what that value is to an end user, an overwhelming obvious to how it makes a game better for a developer, and it's going to have to meet a higher bar than the current technology because it's not known. And it has to pay for the sins of the father here. And that's not just Web3 Plater. That is loot boxes. That is the never full maw of ever-growing profits. Well, the profits were only high last year well they need to be higher this year or we're going to fire the ceo it's like are you kidding me like of course this is the way we've gone there's no other natural conclusion for this and yeah people are sick of it and that's inescapable i feel to some degree and web3 will carry that torch and if there's another thing past it it will give it that torch and that torch will be carried on and it'll have all the fire of hatred of being sick of that forever until something changes about that there's there's no getting around that and i think it's fine to be hostile toward that. So that actually is funny. That ties really nicely into the two things that I had. One is that even a more extreme take on what you said, which is the idea of VR being a thing rather than the thing. Perhaps Web3 will be a thing rather than the thing. Uh-huh. And for me, it's also the possibility that maybe it won't be a thing. Yeah, that's right. True. I think that's where there's a question. And that's where I appreciate. That's not to say that people like Susan, to the point of your company, is to like see if it can be a thing. Right. Just to find uh-huh, out, uh-huh. is this a good value prop? You can see it. Like, I think you have this idea in your head of why it's valuable to the player, why uh-huh. it's valuable to the, to the company. That's the, why the, the game developer, why it's valuable to others. Right. And how this works. And, and there's always this, like, and we need people out there experimenting and trying things. And to your point, it's not going to be Activision Blizzard right. or Tencent perhaps that does that because it's just, it's just not a thing that they're going to relate to in the same way. It has to be the indie or the small studio and like side funding and like trying to figure this out and what does it mean? And we've actually gone through some of that loop. We've learned a lot through play to earn and a bunch of these other things. You know, when does the token drop and all this different stuff? We've learned what's not working in this space. 
what doesn't seem to be valuable. And so, so that was, that was the kind of the first thing is like, what does it become? Does it become nothing, something, everything? Okay. Yeah. So my take on that is, is, is it's actually a thing when you think about it in the purest sense that it's a database, right? Like when you play a game, you don't care if it's on AWS or Google Cloud or whatever. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Blockchain needs to be able to get to the same point. It, this is a problem within Web3, which is that there are these things that people assume are truths based on a very short period of time. And these mm-hmm. new metas emerge, like the free yeah. NFT meta or zero royalties meta. Or, you know, and, and, and all of these things don't have enough proof points to say, you know, what's going to work. And that's a, it's, a, it's an albatross around Web3. Because people say, you know, so you have to you have to worry about the floor price. You know, a lot of game developers really struggled last year when they did their their launches because they thought they were going to get to the mass market, only to find out that the mass market didn't care yet. So they launched NFTs, and then they immediately saw the floor price drop, and they were trying to you know quickly rebound as game developers trying to figure out how to manage your floor price or how to manage a token and all this stuff. We have to be able to start to evolve beyond that. And that's going to happen yeah. as we get to the mass market. We have to yeah. not treat them necessarily as securities, right? We have to be able to treat them as pure digital ownership. And then it's not about flipping it. And it's not about floor price anymore and all of this stuff. But for now, it's an albatross. And I constantly have to explain and justify myself of, you know, for example, we we um, we didn't treat this like Kickstarter. We didn't launch an NFT to make money and then promise someday we'll launch something. We're immediately launching something. But yet I get lumped in with people who are making these free NFT projects who don't have anything to do yet. It's like, that should be free. You don't have anything to do yet. I'm giving you something to do. Why should that have to be free? And so there's loads of dynamics just happening with web, within Web3 of infighting, of how these models should work, whether creator royalty should be protected, who deserves a creator royalty, whether that stuff should be in the smart contract, whether we all need our own marketplaces. Like there's, there's just so much warring going on within Web3, which is really just... It's dangerous because as a as a developer, you need the ability to experiment and figure it out for yourself, you know? Yeah. I don't want you to give away information that you don't want to give away about the way your company operates. But what is your monetization model? How is it that you make it worthwhile for you to develop something that players are going to love and companies are going to interact with? We're not doing a, a, a free NFT as has become a little bit of a, of a mini fad in Web3. <laughs> Uh, no, look, don't get me wrong. They'll be free. They'll absolutely be free. But free when there are like 10,000 people is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, you can't, yeah. you can't be free with a tiny market. You know, that it's, yeah. it's, it's luxury right now, right? Eventually, when there's millions of people, then you can experiment free. Secondary royalties, breeding, which is part of how the, the sort of population of these different types of pets will grow. And, you know, we're starting with cats, but then we have the next type of pet ready in development. So there's that in breeding. This ability to use it on other blockchains is something that we can monetize being able to detach the things that you bought and mint them as separate NFTs. So there are lots of different models, you know, and, and in-app purchasing in and of itself can end up being something very Web3. I think there's a danger that it's Web2. And then we don't even solve the problem we were trying to solve, which was the Fortnite skin problem, right? And so I do uh-huh. think that, I think that the danger with the ones that are free right now is no one's saying how they're going to make money. And, you know, we've all been there, right? We all know that there are going to be ways to make money. And so I think people have to be asking questions about that. Most of our model is built around the, the the pets themselves. You know, we're not trying to sell a specific game. And we could down the road. We could launch, you know, the the pet metaverse multi-platform console thing and sell that as a retail product. But right now we're focused more on on getting these out there and, and the revenue model of those craft, which is a healthy business model, I have to say. 
That's so fascinating. And I, I want to move to the next chunk of this conversation, which I think is around helping leaders navigate this. And what does that mean to navigate this? One of the primary topics that's emerged from this, which I find fascinating, is we've sort of gone beyond the conversation of just about Web3 and explored the financialization of the games industry over the past like 20 years, which is a really fascinating topic. You're a leader trying to run a game company. You're a leader on the line somewhere and you want to make sure that you know what's going on and that you stay focused on value. What would be your advice for those leaders as all of this is happening? I think it's a few things. I think it's, you know, it's a bit like being a, uh, a racehorse with blinders on. It's really easy to get distracted. There's so much noise. There's so much, oh, look what they did. Oh, look how they did that. And it's very easy. And look, it's like, like being a game developer as well, right? You know, you hear other products announced and you're like, oh, we could have been doing that. And so I think one of the things is learning to drown out the noise because I think most of what people think is going to be the big thing isn't. And I've watched, you know, you watch it in a microcosm within Web3. A product comes out, everyone thinks it's like, oh my God, this has changed everything. And then two weeks later, the floor price has dropped and no one cares anymore. And it turns out it was a scam. So there's uh-huh. a real danger and assuming because they did it, it's going to work for you. I think the also thing is, is kind of getting out of the echo chamber. Like Web3 lives on Twitter for better or for worse, you know, with, with Elon Musk. <laughs> and, but the, it is where it lives. An inordinate amount of time kind of needs to be spent being there and understanding the space. Um, you know, I have to dedicate a big chunk of my daily time to being a part of Twitter spaces and stuff. But I've tried to stay out of the echo chambers. You know, there's a lot of people saying Web3 gaming is going to be the way. And, you know, they, they keep changing what that means. And so it's very easy to be in that echo chamber of this is going to work, this is going to work, this is going to work. I've tried to instead be a part of some of these communities where it's not gamers and it's just folks in Web3 who are trying to figure out our industry or trying to figure out if there's anything there or why they should care. And so I've learned more from that than from being in my echo chamber with other people who think Web3 gaming is going to work. And oh, so yeah. I would say get out, getting out of your comfort zone and also just understanding how early it is and that if you want to be, you could wait raise money and build something and let the industry catch up or accept the fact that right now it's not, you know, it's not gamers for the most part in Web3 and you have to, you know, understand your product market fit and adjust your product accordingly, you know, for this beta testing group. You know, it's a, it's a wild space to learn. And, um, but I think you kind of have to if you want to launch something right now. And I think that a lot of game developers, including myself, have learned that the hard way. A year ago, I thought we were going after the mass market. Now I know that we're not going after the mass market yet. That's uh, later. And that's fine. But it's a recipe for disaster if you ignore that and, and go at it anyway and, 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 and think it's there yet. Ryan, what would your advice be? You've been, a, you've been a leader in games for a while. You've seen a few of these things that become the thing or a thing or whatever thing. I'm very, very skeptical about Web3 and gaming, but also know why you're skeptical and know why you have those feelings. Break that out. And share these ideas with your team, take ideas with your team. Because I think, I don't think many leaders should be chasing new technologies. And I think one of the reasons we're hostile probably to this is not that it exists. This stuff can exist. That's fine. We talked about the monetization and marketization of games, you know, here a bit. But it's, we're worried that people like Ubisoft CEO number 14 is going to come by and be like, this is the hot new thing and I have FOMO. And it's like, God damn it. (laughs) it's like it's like this is the con let's say that susan's thing is a hundred percent right it's it's great value's phenomenal it makes sense it's gonna work that's awesome that's cool right but it does nothing to that ubisoft exec yet it takes a long time for that to catch up 
Meanwhile, they're sitting there thinking about how can I not miss the boat on this? I had a conversation with somebody who was in the uh, commercial space, commercial retail space, talking about how can we get our game or how can we get on the metaverse? And I'm like, okay, what are you trying to achieve? Like, what's the offering? What are you hoping to do? And literally zero answers. So I'm like, I don't think I can help you, first of all. And it's like, and I think there's a lot of people still in the space on the AAA side, on the leadership and the business side, especially in games. They're seeing it that way. Well, I missed out on free to play. I don't <laughs> want to miss out on this thing. It's like, that's not a strategy, homie. <laughs> and having a strong bullshit detector and having pointed questions to go, what is and is not? Because you don't want to open the gate for bullshit, but you need to look over and go, hey, who are you? What are you doing? Like, I know you're, okay, you're another Web3 guy and maybe I'm skeptical, but if you can answer these questions three, you know, maybe we can have a conversation or whatever that is for you. Know what those are. Be clear about them. Be crisp about them and understand why they exist for you. But also not blindly just knocking a new opportunity out of the way. Cloud gaming, look at this. We were all really skeptical about cloud gaming. And then who here did not dance on the corpse of Stadia? Okay, maybe just me. But now it's pretty good, actually. You know what? And it kind of was smart because of the marketing and everything just kind of laid low and shut the hell up until it got good. And then it's like, hey, this is just good now. The value became evident. Web3, if it becomes a big thing, will go through this transition as well. I think that's the thing is retain your skepticism, protect your teams, protect your products from, especially in this overmarketed world, shysters and, and people who are interested in not making good products and adding value. But keep your eyes peaked and ask questions for people who might be coming with value and maybe you don't agree but at least hear when that's happening unless that's how you can kind of keep on top of it it's interesting one thing i hear in there is totally fine to have an opinion know why you have an opinion and watch out for bandwagoning mm -hmm. on any side yeah of yeah. this of this debate and conversation and and really value opportunity that's right. that's that's what this is like that's it, right. if if it works out it will work out because it added value to people's lives in, in a way that they or somebody was willing to provide capital for, right? Yeah, yeah. Give money to somebody in, in order to make this work. And that happens when when value is clear. And people need to go deep in this stuff. I think one of the problems is you saw crypto companies, they didn't know anything about making games, taking the most casual, light approach without even getting game developers as part of the mix. And then you had game companies putting hats on characters and not really <laughs> taking the time to embrace blockchain. Yeah, and you true, know, I, true, I true. had game developer friends asking me to introduce them to investors and say, I said, so what blockchain are you building on? Oh, I don't know. How do I decide that? And it's like, so I saw laziness on both sides, you know, where, where, uh -huh. where they didn't mm -hmm, understand sure. any of this stuff. Middleware, do I need a smart, what's a smart contract? And it's like, come on, you, you can't go try to raise money from a Web3 investor and not even know what a smart contract is. And so both sides, if you're going to do it, do it, like go deep and, and, and figure out a real strategy, push it further, not just, you know, just look for a, another thing, another slide to put in your deck. And there's so many of those. I've had game developers send me their Web3 decks where it's barely mentioned. There's like a footnote on a blockchain. It's like, no, no Web3 investor is going to want to look at this. It's clear that you have no real interest. You're just chasing money. Maybe that's good advice there too, Susan. There's something, you know, in that lack of depth you're talking about, probably in the VC indie world, this is a bigger deal than uh, the world I, I tend to be hanging out in these days. But I imagine that there's a lack of authenticity in terms of why we're choosing to go after investors as game, as, you know, game startups or why those investors are asking for what they're asking for. You know, there's a lack of authenticity towards the game or a lack of authenticity towards the business goals. And if there's one thing that I think 
working in service for a long time and seeing both successful and unsuccessful versions of this has taught me that authenticity is the core to a good product. You cannot have a great product without authenticity of a link between business model and and a game design. It always feels bolted on if you don't have that. And so yeah, if you can't find a reason to use it, you probably shouldn't, right? Like if there's no reason. If you're going to do it, do it. And if you're not willing to do it, just don't and figure out a different way to do it because you're going to you're going to end up signing some Faustian deal if you don't. That idea of if you're a leader out there and especially I'd say like for for a lot of people where this hasn't been a major focus of the company that they're working in or the game they're working on or the space they're going into, there's almost a part of me that says like, don't worry about it. Uh There's other people that are trying to figure it out. Be careful of the FOMO. Yes. If you're a great game developer, it's going to become so obvious that you want, you know, Petaverse in your game, right? Or whatever or not. And that's going to be like a future state that you can deal with when it arrives. Uh But I think, you know, something for me to ponder is it's cheap to have opinions. It's hard to have informed opinions. It's really, really hard to be an expert who's researched something. Uh, we use the word research like I read two articles on Google, you know, and I don't, <laughs> it, it's that's not what that means. Like there's it, it's all there's a lot that goes into this and there's people that are doing that. You know, Susan, even hearing you talk about I spend a decent chunk of my day just trying to keep up with the trends uh-huh. and try to understand what's coming. I don't have time for that. Uh-huh. I got other things I'm trying to do. I've got people I'm trying to help and get companies I'm trying to serve and all this stuff. I might still have my opinions, but like strong opinions, weekly held, you know, like, sure, I've got my strong opinion. And also I'm very open to being totally wrong. <laughs> no one ever likes to admit something's not in their lane. You know, there's just too much yeah. of, an, of an impetus to have an opinion. It's yeah. okay to say, I have an opinion. I have no idea if this is true, but this is what I think. Prove, you know, tell me I'm wrong. Like that, that's okay. Yeah. I want to jump off that because that to me, I, I think that's such a great point that leaders should take as all this crazy stuff is changing all the time is don't stop being curious and don't stop listening. Like, I think, unfortunately, our industry and I think tech in general often puts a premium on somebody having very strong and forceful opinions on things. And Uh that's all good and great. But I think when things are changing more than ever, we need to listen more than ever. And and again, it's okay to have opinions. It's okay to have strong opinions. There's nothing wrong with that. But like, I want to see leaders listening more instead of just like picking a faction and then towing the line. And then there's this other thing that I think came up from all four of us, which is really focus on value. And actually, interestingly enough, I feel like I really want to send that message through the ether to anyone who's starting their own company right now and seeking funding. Um, I had a good friend of mine back in 2019 who was starting his own company. He's an ex-rioter. And I was like, what's it been like to get funding? And he's like, it's been so easy. It scares me. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, there's so many VCs banging my door down. And I realized very quickly that the issue for us was not going to be getting money. It was going to be getting money from the right person. Uh And I think that that very much applies to this as well. Like you may feel like you need the money, but I don't know how good of a situation it is for you to get this check signed from somebody who doesn't share your values and then back yourself into that corner. Like it might seem like the right call today, but it could very quickly become the right call six months from now. And again, I know it's easy for me to say, Ben and I know better than anybody how poor you can be on some days when you're starting your own business from scratch. I understand (laughs) that this is uh, 
this is quite uh, lofty philosophical stuff that I'm <laughs> I'm spewing here, but I know a lot of game company founders who regret where their money came from. Mm. I, I don't know any who put their value foot forward first and ended up regretting that, even if the company failed. I agree. So mm. That's right. Those are a couple of things that came up for me. Figure out if there are people you want to have in the room with you when things are bad. Yeah. You know, okay. Is my advice yeah. from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. That's great. Who are you comfortable to go to and say, I fucked up, you know, and that they're not going to just bail on you. Like, I think that's really important. I think that's exactly right. It is associated to Web3, but I think it is associated to maybe I'm being overly branded here, but building better games. We talked about the business model and the product, but also about like your teams, your values. These are the things that weather storms. These are the things that last. Any company or there's enough luck in the room that you can make a good thing with the wrong formulas. You know, it happens. You can't do it again. <laughs> you can't do it twice. You know, anybody can get lucky. Two times isn't usually lucky at that point. Three times is definitely not. And so I think there's a, there's a component here of, you know, don't take these Faustian deals. Don't get involved if you're not willing to get involved. I'm not willing to get involved in Web3 yet. I would say into an indeterminate future, I'm not willing to get involved into Web3 but I also do recognize that there is a thing where it's like, if we're talking about, oh, it's just cloud gaming. It's just how databases are managed. I don't care. That's fine. If it does have the time and the people who are out there very interested in doing these things for value are finding things, building additional proof points, showing, hey, you know what? You know those shysters we had for like, you know, 2020 to 2023, four, five, I don't know. That's not the thing anymore. We're really out of that place. And here's all these value propositions and arguments that are coming out about good stuff. Yeah, the mind can totally be changed and be integrated at that point. But I'm also not holding my breath for that moment. So I'm uninvolved for now. When the time is right as a leader, you'll know when that time is right. And until the, if you are skeptical, be skeptical. But, you know, skeptical doesn't just mean like this. It just means like, yeah, I don't believe that that thing's probably good. I'm going to demand a little higher stake of proof or understanding or information because the information is stacked against at the start. That's okay. You can be there. If you train yourself and hold yourself accountable for chasing player value, you'll end up in the right place. That's right. And to me, like, I think that's really where I land is like, be agnostic right. to the technology or solutions and be fervent about player value. Because to me... The idea that somebody uses Web3 to create something that's really valuable for players is exciting to me because I love the idea of more value for players. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. I think that's where that's where the singularity of this, if it comes together, yeah. comes together. Yeah. And there's no other place. But there's no games business trend where that stayed true for long enough. You know, I feel like we are in an increasing world, not of just monetization of games, but I think this early component of crypto, Web3, pay to earn, you know, Axie, you know, and it's ill have been about generating value out of nothing. And that is legitimately threatened. Web3 is a vehicle for a type of person who's tired of generating value for money and they just want to get money. And it's like, yeah, I think Web3, Web2, AAA, I think everybody who's not in finance and probably some people in finance should be bulwarking against that and should be basically bullying these people out of existence. I agree. <laughs> I agree. No, okay, look, it's an albatross within Web3 as well. People assume uh -huh, you're a scam. Uh -huh. And I hate the, exactly. anyone assuming that I'm trying to scam them. Right. And it hurts your efforts because does, if you does, come yeah. with something legitimate, you have to weigh all those expectations. Yeah, just to get there. Yeah. 
this is such a fascinating conversation that could easily divert into like a macroeconomics conversation because <laughs> I, I hear that and I'm like, I can't turn the part of my brain off that's like, or Web3. Oh, okay. So now you're the bad guy. Now you're the economic <laughs> hit. Now you're the economic hitman. I'm like, the economic hitman in the old traditional economy already exists. He just wears a suit and it's not somebody you would ever think of as committing a crime or having an easy payout or all these things. The only difference now is we've crowdsourced it. Now, so now the scams are just everywhere. It's once again a free for all. And people are used to expecting nothing. Like, look, we've exactly. we're about to launch an app on three platforms. I think it's the first time anyone's done that. That's ridiculous, right? Like, I think legitimately it's the first time anyone has done that. And I have to explain <laughs> to people that they're not going to be waiting. And it's just the first thing you can do with it. I'm not launching Call of Duty with it. I'm launching an AR app where you can create memes with your, with your pet. But even that light touch on three platforms is unheard of at the number of Web3. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Yeah. And so there, there's this huge uphill battle to prove that you're not a scam, that you're doing something more, that it isn't a, a roadmap of eventually. So yeah, it's, it, it's, it's hard. Yes, poor us. Yeah. <laughs> I was just and I think this is great. I love that you guys put this together. I'd love to see something like this happen at GDC. We did a bit of it at GDC last year, but you know, there was like one panel on blockchain. And um, mm-hmm. this is this is how things change, you know, is when people come to a conversation together, willing to have a conversation, willing to, to point out the, the faults on their own side. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just becomes a bunch of shouting at each other. And there's enough of that in the world right now with politics and everything else. This is games. This is supposed to be the fun stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, that would be my concluding statement is I just we need more of this. This needs to be like a constant ongoing conversation. How do we hold you know, the industry accountable? How do we do better stuff or how do we not race to the bottom? Okay. I want to thank both of you so much, by the way, for coming, because I, I know that you're both very passionate about this topic and you're both personally invested in very different ways. So are we. Uh-huh. And I just I'm humbled and appreciative of your willingness to come and share, because I know that it's not the same when you have skin in the game. It's harder when you have skin in the game. And you guys both have a lot of skin in the game. So I really appreciate coming here with authenticity and openness, having this conversation with us, because to be honest, I'm a little biased, but this conversation has educated me more in a couple foundational ways than a lot of the sort of social media dialogue, which is Uh just yelling right now. So I'm so thankful that that you joined us today. And uh, I think this this is a really fun discussion and I am absolutely looking forward to doing it again. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me. If you're looking for more information about what we're doing, go to petaverse.com. There's links to everything there. So thank you again, uh, Susan and Ryan, for joining us on Building Better Games. And we will see you next time. If you want to get one practical monthly tip to help you lead game teams, then sign up for our newsletter now so you and your team can level up. All you have to do is click the newsletter link in the show notes or go to buildingbettergames.gg. Thanks. Thanks.